I, I remember Savannah and I had been married just a few months, and we were having, we'll call it a tiff, a disagreement. I'm sure it was my fault. I learned that lesson. It's, it's always my fault. But there we are, and we're, we're learning what it means to be newlyweds, to live together, to figure out all those kinds of things. And, and there I am, you know, formulating my own arguments, my defense, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, the two of us are having this conversation, and then my parents were there. And nobody invited them, but there they are. And as I'm speaking, I'm like, why am I talking like my parents right now? Like, where did that come from? You know, you, you hear things growing up, and it becomes part of your speech. Well, that's kind of scary, but nothing compared to when you have kids. And then you are, you're parenting, you're talking to them, and all of a sudden, they're using your words against you. Like, get your own words, dude. Like, this is, this is, this is mine. And, you know, and, and you do have to think about what kind of words do you want your kids to be using, because so many times they'll say something or they'll know about something. You go, where did you hear that? And the answer is always, of course, YouTube. You thought I was going to say school, but it's YouTube. That's the, that's the big problem. But... Uh, there, then you start to think about, well, do I want them using my words or do I want them using YouTube's words? You know, they're, they're going to learn something somewhere. In fact, none of us come to life. We don't come to this moment uh, just like a blank slate. We all had people before us, people who helped us uh, to form us in their image or into whatever it is that you are today, that you, you are walking in a path that someone else started before you. So today I want to talk a little bit about that concept. That's called discipleship, of what kind of walk you're on, who you are becoming. We're going to talk a little bit about discipleship today. Before we do, I want to just welcome you again. I know you've been welcomed a number of times, but if you are uh, new with us today, you are our guest. We're so glad that you have been here to worship with us. My name is Cale, one of the ministers here, and this is a wonderful church family to be part of. If you are looking for for a church family, we hope you might consider this one. That I know that in my time here, it, you all have been a blessing to me, and I know that you will continue to be uh, for people as they walk in the doors here. A couple things going on that would help plug you into this church family. We have our Connect Group sign-up going on right now. It is a great way not only to get to know other people, but it will further you in your walk with Christ. I promise you won't regret being part of a Connect Group, sitting around a table uh, with people week in and week out, opening up God's Word, praying with one another. It's, it's a great moment, and it's a moment that you need. I joked a few weeks ago that we know who has and hasn't signed up, and that's actually not a joke. We do know exactly who you are. <laughs> and so maybe consider it today. Go in, you can go on to the Crosspoint app. You can go on the website. There's a physical sign-up table out there. We hope that you'll do that today. And maybe, maybe you're not quite ready for that. If this is your first Sunday with us. I want to invite everybody next week, next Sunday evening. It's our, what we're calling our Crosspoint Connect Cookout. It's going to be a great time together with uh, burgers and uh, bounce houses and other games. Just a great time to be together. We will let you in here if it's 110 degrees. You won't just be outside the whole time, but we're going to have a great time together. It's free. So again, if you're new with us, it's going to be a great place to connect with other people, to get to know others. So we hope you'll consider being part of that today. Now, we are still in the series on Elijah. I promise you it ends next week, okay? I know it's been a few weeks. But this has been, it's been really good to look at this character in the Old Testament, this man of God, who is the prophet of prophets, and to think about where he has been. Today, we're only going to look at three verses of his story. 
And I promise you it'll be a little bit shorter of a sermon. And the church said, Amen. Amen. There you go. <laughs> Don't start watching your clock. I hope it'll be short. We'll see. But, uh, but it is a, a very a point, of his, a point of his story that I think helps us a lot as we consider his story. Uh, we've just been, uh, we did Mount Carmel. Then right after that, he, he went to the cave on the mountain of God. And there he saw God walk by. It's in that moment he has this encounter with God. And right after that, this is the moment in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah went from there, from the cave, and he found Elisha. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. That's it. That's our text for the day. This moment that starts because Elijah walks by. Or you might say he, he passes by. Because see, the story right before this, he is in a cave. And it's the, the presence of God that passes by. And so now Elijah is doing the same thing. If you remember from last week, Elisha is a prophet or is a promise of God. In the moment when Elijah is in the cave and he's in despair, God says, I'm not letting you off the hook yet, but there will be another. And his name is Elisha. That Elisha is coming. Elisha is the future. And so this is the beginning of Elijah being able to see yet another one of God's promises being fulfilled. And you know, we all need these examples. We need these moments. Because see, Elisha is going to need this moment with Elijah. There are some things in life that you can just read about and you kind of get it, right? There are other things that you can just even figure out on your own. And there are yet others that you need someone to show you the way. You need someone to show you exactly how it's done. Now, when I was about to turn 16 and I was going to start driving this car, if you could even call it that, this old vehicle that my parents did graciously provide for us to drive, um, it probably would not work today, but it worked that day. My dad said, here's some things that you need to know. You need to know how to change the oil. You need to know how to do, I don't even remember the whole list. But one thing I do remember is he said, you need to learn how to change a tire. And I said, why, Dad? I mean, I've, I've hardly ever even seen you change a tire. And if you think about changing a tire, you can tell someone about it, but it's not the same as showing them how to do it. So I'll never forget, my birthday's in August. And so it was hot. My dad said, let's get out there and I'm going to show you how to change a tire. And so he did, and I'm, I'm kind of going along with the motions. And, and it's a good thing he did, because it wasn't that long after I turned 16 that I had my first opportunity to change a tire. <laughs> and so I get out there, and I'm like, okay, what do I do again? And thankfully, he had showed me the way. Because if he hadn't, I wouldn't have known what to do. And I think oftentimes, one of the failings in the church that we've just said, you know, you probably understand you get what it looks like to live this life with Christ. But I think more often than not, we need someone to show us the way. We need someone that will walk with us. 
and show us when life gets hard, when there's all these things that happen. And that's exactly what Elijah does here. Elijah goes, and it's this interesting story because he throws his cloak over Elisha. And the word cloak can also be translated as mantle. He is literally giving over his mantle to Elisha. He is passing it down. It's the same cloak that both Elijah and Elisha use to strike a river so they can walk by over dry ground. That this cloak bears his, it shows his prophetic authority. Think about his cloak as the staff to Moses. Moses is known by that staff that he carries and the, and the power that comes with it, the authority that comes with it. And the same thing is happening here. But quite literally, Elijah is passing down the mantle to Elisha. It tells us that he is doing this farming. There are 12 yoke of oxen. There's, this is a big operation. He's running one of it, which tells us that he has employees for the others. That there's a lot going on here. But at the first sign of, of Elijah, he's willing to pass it on. He's a wealthy guy, and yet he's willing to walk away from that, to follow God. Now, when you see a number in Scripture, you shouldn't just think this is just happenstance or it's just a random number, but 12 is very symbolic. That Elisha will be the one, the, the prophet to the nation of Israel. He'll be the prophet to the 12 tribes. That's who he has been. He has already been faithful to God. So now he bears the cloak. And we know he's been faithful to God because it tells us where his affection lies. His affection lies with his parents. He has this interesting moment. Let me go back and tell my mom and dad bye. And it, very intentionally, the writer of 1 Kings tells us that he wants to go and kiss them. Because other people in his story have been falling down at the altar of Baal and kissing Baal. But not Elisha. Elisha does not worship Baal, but he does have affection for his family. He wants to go and tell them goodbye. And you can read Elijah's response in one of two ways. You can read it like, why would you turn back? Are you in or out? Or more likely, he says, you know, what did I do to you? Go back and say goodbye. And so Elisha does go back. And it's this dramatic scene that he puts to death the oxen. And that one, he, yes, he is providing food and fire for a party. His equipment becomes the fuel for the fire. But it's also this symbolic moment that he's not going back. There, he's not hedging his bets. There's nothing to go back to. So you and I wouldn't do this, right? We would say, let me hire someone in my place. This is, this is a side hustle now for someone. This is passive income, you know. If I'm going to hire somebody else here. And just in case I need to go back. If it doesn't work out with Elijah, I'll go back. But Elisha doesn't do that. It's this complete severing of this from his past. He cannot return. He cannot go back. And I think that might be the best example of what discipleship looks like. So when you choose to follow God, when you choose and say yes to a life with Jesus, you cannot go back. You, you can't let things hang in your past as a way to go back. That when God calls you, he calls all of you. He calls you to literally burn the tools of the trade, burn the past, and follow me. Elisha is a great example of this. There is nothing for him to return to. There is no job. There is no sustenance. He cannot turn back because he has made a complete break with his former life. He has completely turned over a new leaf to follow Elijah, to become 
God's prophet to the nation of Israel. Just like that, he's going to call you. And you can't turn back. You have to be willing to go fully and follow Jesus. Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter 9. Another person said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So we have this moment in Luke where Jesus says, and, and Luke writes, he tells us, Jesus is setting out resolutely for Jerusalem, which is, is a way to say he knows he's going to the cross. That everybody's been warning Jesus, you cannot go back to Jerusalem. That's where the authorities, the scribes, the teachers of the law, they want to put you to death. And he says, I'm going back to Jerusalem. And right after that moment in Luke, we get the text we just read. That there's these moments of people who want to follow Jesus, but they have all these things, that, all these excuses, all these things that hang them up. Well, well, I've got an ancestor that needs to be buried, and Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. Let me say goodbye to my parents. He said, if you want to put your hand to the plow, then you're not fit for service in the kingdom. That everything with discipleship in relation to Jesus is framed by the idea that he's going to the cross. See, Jesus is also called to be faithful in this moment. And faithfulness for Jesus means giving up his life. Discipleship means that we will be exactly like Jesus. That we not, are not just a fan of his. We're not just on the team. We're not just say, symbolically saying, yeah, I would vote for him. It's saying, I will be just like him. The disciple must be like the rabbi. The student must be like the teacher. And faithfulness for Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. And if you want to follow me, you too have to get on the road to the cross. That's our calling, church. You can't have second thoughts, and so you shouldn't rush into it. You should, in a, in a way, like Elisha, say, am I ready to make this commitment? Am I ready to unconditionally follow him with nothing left behind me, nothing left in my past, but to give my whole life over to him. There's a movie I like to watch growing up called Field of Dreams. I hope you've seen it. It's an old movie. And in it, there's a crazy man who, who uh, plows over his cornfield to build a baseball field. And, and everyone thinks he's crazy. It kind of reminds me of, of Noah, right? Noah starts building an ark uh, before there's even rain. Well, he starts building a baseball field when there are no players for the baseball field. He says, but if, if I build it, they will come. And then they do. These old, dead baseball players start coming out of the cornfield at night. Look, it's an old movie. There's no spoilers here. So. <laughs> but they have this moment. They, they come out and they play baseball every night. And he can go out there and he can join them. But they cannot cross the lines. They have, there's this moment that they know they can't cross the lines. There are consequences. There are repercussions if they do. But there's a moment that, that somebody has an accident in the stands. They fall off the stands. And so a player rushes up to the line and has this moment that they have to make a choice. If I cross the line to help, I can never go back. Will I cross the line? And church, for you and for me, discipleship is the exact same way. That God brings us to this point, brings us to this moment that we have to make a choice. Are we going to cross the line? Because if we do, we can't go back. But he's calling us to give everything over to him. And you can't go back. You can't return to your old life. In fact, like Elisha, 
you should be willing to turn everything over to him. See, you and I are being discipled right now. We are. There are people, there are influences, forces in your life that are forming you in a certain way. Whether on purpose or not. If you are intentionally choosing those sources or not, you are being formed in a certain way. The invitation of Jesus is to become his disciple. If I'm going to turn into anything, what do I want to turn into? Who do I want to be? And far too often, we just, we kind of drift. And we end up in a place that we had no intention of being. We, we sometimes can hedge our bets. We can want to kind of go back. And Jesus, through John's revelation in, Revel, in the book of Revelation, says, you know, you're not hot or cold. You're just lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Again, the invitation of Jesus is to go all in, is to burn the past and to to walk forward with him, to not choose this middle way anymore, but to choose to either be all in or all out. See, Elijah throws his mantle around Elisha. He gives him his calling, become like me. And Jesus is giving you the same opportunity. Will you follow me? Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's not looking for those who just think he has some good ideas. He's looking for disciples, people who will be just like him. Are you willing to take that step with him? Because for many of you, you have come in here often and you are probably fans of Jesus. It's time to become a disciple. It's time to take that, to make that choice, to take that step to follow him more fully. Because see, after you do that, there's another step. Because once you become a disciple, the next step, well, I think I would describe it like this. A few years ago, we were in Salt Lake City visiting my in-laws for Christmas. And this was maybe five or six years ago. And we were driving around. I don't know what we were doing, but my in-laws said, hey, look, there's this new cookie place over here. Let's try it out. I said, all right, let's try it. I don't remember what we ate that day. I don't know if the cookie was good or bad, but I just remember some random cookie place in Utah. And that's where it started. It's brand new to Salt Lake City. Well, a few years later, I'm like, is this the same place that's popping up everywhere called Crumble Cookie? I mean, and I don't know if you know this, but then I felt bad because I hadn't shared with other people how good Crumble Cookie was. Because now I'm the kind of person that every week I'm, I'm opening up the app and I'm looking at what are the favorite cookies of the week. And if my favorite's on there, I'm like, listen, guys, you got to get there. In fact, I'm going to tell you something right now. I feel bad I didn't use this example last week because last week there was a great cookie. It probably won't be there this week, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Whenever I enjoy something like that, or, or maybe it's, it's you know, something on, on television that I've really liked, a movie that I've seen, I mean, I'm pretty quick to share with other people. And the next step for a disciple is to become a disciple maker, to be someone who shares with other people the good news that you have in your life. I think a lot of times we we talk about news, and I talk about, you know, great news. I talk about fantastic news, amazing news. And we come in here and we say, you know, we have some good news, as if it's not as good as, you know, our best news. Now, good news was language that our New Testament writers adopted from the Roman Empire. They They would enter into a town. They would have good news to offer about a battle won. Soldiers returning from home, uh, a new emperor, maybe. They had good news to share. And so our New Testament writer said, you want to know what good news is? We'll tell you what good news is. 
The good news is the story of Jesus Christ in your life. What Jesus has done for you. That is the good news. I love how Jesus uh, leaves us in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And church, it's time for us to go. It's time for us to to see the command of Jesus here and to go. And I think sometimes we kind of get confused because we see that We see go and we see all nations and we think this is a mission trip. That we have to literally get on an airplane and we got to cross a sea or something. That's what we have to do. And that, for some of you, may be true. That God may be calling you to a mission somewhere else. But I know this for certain. For all of us, he's calling us right where we are. To share the good news with those that he's put in our life. Do you think that you know the people by accident that you know? The people that you work with, the neighbors that you have, the friends that you meet maybe through your kids and their sports or whatever, that God has intentionally put you where you are for you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I know what we all think sometimes. We think, well, I'm just probably not the best at this. And you might not be, and that's okay. You can still share the good news of Jesus. You might say, well, I have questions. I don't know how to answer all of their questions. And the truth is that you will always have questions. The the question is whether you will have the heart that continues to seek after those answers. Because for those who have been changed by the love of God, by the influence of Jesus in your life, the call is to share. It's to share with other people and to give them the story that has changed your life. So ask yourself today, Who is in your life? Who is in your, you know, orbit, your sphere of influence that does not yet know Jesus? Because I promise you that there's probably somebody. There's somebody in your life that needs to know the story that you know, the story that you've been changed by. Until I had kids, I didn't spend a ton of time around around children. I was not a babysitter growing up or things like that. But I do know this. I know enough to know this, especially now that I'm a parent, that doesn't matter how long you are with kids, at some point, probably pretty soon, you're going to have to use the word share. Now, you probably even have stories like this, where one of my sons, I know, doesn't even want to play with that toy, but they also don't want their brother to play with that toy. <laughs> and you, you end up saying all the time, share, share. And I sometimes wonder if our Heavenly Father is looking down on us as His children, and He's saying, it's time to share That you know something that other people need to know. You have been changed by something that other people need an opportunity to have. It's time to share. So for most of us in here today, that you have made that decision to be a disciple. That that you need to take another step. Who is it that you are sharing with? Who is it that, that God has put in your path that you can bring along with you on the road to the cross? There are some of us in here today, and far too often, it's, it's all of us. But I think Scripture is held up to us as a mirror. And today, I think it's asking, it's pointing out to you, where is it that you've been holding back from God? That, yeah, you are a fan of Jesus. You think he's got great ideas, and he's calling you to more today. 
to stop holding back, to, to put those oxen to death, to put to fire all the tools of your past, and instead take a step with him. Our shepherds and their wives are going to be around the room as we close here today. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you about what your next step is in your discipleship. Maybe today for someone in here, it's time to be baptized. That's why we symbolically and literally, we give over everything to him. We hold nothing back. And for some of you today, you probably haven't made that choice yet. It might be time to do so. The mantle is being passed to you, church. The, the call is for us to say yes to this discipleship with him. Let's stand together while we sing praises to our Lord.